0: <onsieur> oh my god. I'm sorry, I love James Newton Howard. He's my favorite. Oh like, my god. You know how I like a good film score. I like a good film score enough to distract me away from the more ridiculous parts of the film. Oh boy, here we we go. Remember how we did Shyamalan last year? Here we go again. Guys, I can't, I have no veto power this month. I I have to do this. It's my birthday. It is your birthday. (laughs) So let's get started. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where it's contaminated. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week, we are covering the 2002 science fiction mystery thriller, Signs. (laughs) carrie Ann didn't find it very thrilling. She found it the opposite, actually. But you know, we watched this movie together as kids. We did. Like, not together. It was mostly me watching it, but. When I think about this movie, the only thing I can think about is the scene on the couch in front of the TV where Joaquin Phoenix is talking about almost getting barfed on. (laughs) You just don't care for it. It's distracting. Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at KickNStream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at KickingAndStreamingPodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please practice the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Mm. Rate, review, retweet. Folks, we want everyone to join our little watch party and see the ways I'm exasperating Carrie Ann. Oh, boy. <laughs> God, you love this, don't you? It's, you know, listen, it's just one of those movies. It's one of the first movies from childhood childhood that you just, you know, I watched over and over and over again. We've talked about this on this show. Yeah, it's- a- As a child, I obsessed, and I watched things a thousand times, and I never got tired of them. Oh, boy. This is just, it's just not my favorite, and I'm not going to be a grumpy puss throughout this whole thing. <laughs> Carrie Ann, if Carrie Ann was Roger Ebert, oh, the things she would have to say. About, especially about where you can put your two thumbs way down. In a word, underwhelming. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: make geometric shapes the size of a football field. Now what kind of machine can bend a stock of corn over without breaking it? it? Can't be by hand, it's too perfect.
3: So the aliens can't read our minds? Oh. Some animals around the county have been acting funny, some of them violent. It's almost like they act when they smell a predator around. <laughs>
2: Nairobi, Bangalore, and Jerusalem as the so latest. Same sure
3: shares on every
2: station. Yeah. Every station?
0: It is the 18th
2: reported crop sign in that country in the last 72 hours.
1: I'm a little scared. All this stuff on TV. Joe Gills was in here talking about the end of the world.
2: They're staying in the shadows. It's called probing to make sure things are all clear. Clear for what? For the rest
3: of them. There's a monster outside my room, can I have a glass of water?
2: Ground forces are being assembled.
0: And Night nice Shyamalan's back with us. Yeah. Here he is again. You may have recalled last year's birthday month, I covered another Shyamalan favorite of mine. The Village. See, I like The Village. That's so surprising to me that you like The Village, but you don't like this. Because they both have equally stupid plot holes. The Village didn't have Mel Gibson to start with. But you know what they both have? What? James Newton Howard. Oh, God. I'm going to keep talking about it. No, you are all juiced up for James Newton Howard. He stays winning. Yeah. This film, it really capitalizes... On a lot of things that I think were formative about me, mm-hmm. like at that age. Like I was six or so when this came out. I remember a dad would rent the movie for us, and we would, because he would rent scary movies for us from Blockbuster, <laughs> and we'd ply us with cookies and popcorn, and we'd just watch the movies. But I always remember i love this one so much i asked him for it every time he went and he was like you know what bud i'm just gonna burn it for you i was gonna say is this why i'm sick of it he burned the dvd <laughs> of it for me and is i would this just why I'm sick of it. signs again yeah yeah, I, yes that's what that was dad's line again okay you, you want to see signs again but then we gotta rent carrie ann's favorite we gotta get the witches again yes yes the <laughs> witches was always a favorite Shyamalan had had really big success with The Sixth Sense uh-huh. in 1999. That movie's wild. Like, that kept him going for three years. Uh-huh. He lived on Sixth Sense money for a while. And this was, I think, his next big, you know, project. And, and going back to what I said about this capitalizing on a very, you know, formative terrors that I had as a child. You know, just that I remember as a kid, I always was scared that there is something in the night out there <laughs> that I cannot see that is trying to get at me. I, 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 and, and you know where that fear came from? The movies. <laughs> <laughs> movies like this. I think this is the reason why I don't like talk horn. This is the reason why I hate wind chimes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like You
0: do! You do! We'll be standing out on my back porch trying to have a conversation, and he will take my wind chimes down. He's like, I can't handle it. I don't like it when crickets are really loud and then all of a sudden not. <laughs> Like cicadas, it's all unnerving to me. Yeah, (laughs) and all coupled together with James Newton Howard's fabulous music, uh, it's just it it sends my heart a racing. The same cannot be said for Carrie Ann. Let's all go get traumatized. (laughs) Let's all go get traumatized. Like I just, I'm sorry that it had such a, a negative effect on you. I just remember thinking the whole time when I was a kid, I was like. Man, where are the aliens? Yeah. <laughs> the total alien screen time in this movie makes up like a fraction of a percent. Like, this film does make my heart race, but in a fun way. Yeah, You no, know what I mean? Things are always scarier when you can't see them. I get it. I, I've seen Hitchcock movies. <laughs> like <laughs> You were just underwhelmed. Yeah, no, I just, I just, I hate the classification of it as an alien movie. Because yes, it is. See. But no, it's not. Obviously, my picks for this month are alien related. But Carrie-Anne is of the opinion that the aliens are just a footnote. Yeah, they're In this narrative. They're a footnote in this, they're a metaphor. I get it, I get it. The film is mostly about grief. And loss and faith and all that fun (laughs) stuff. Oh, I'm sad. My mom is dead, my dad is losing his faith, and there are aliens outside. (laughs) It's rough. uh... So, you might have guessed it, but we have names. Oh boy. In his second kicking and streaming appearance. Mr. Mel Gibson. (laughs) We all know why we dislike Mel Gibson. He's just kind of bigoted and ignorant. But listen, this is my favorite Mel Gibson movie. He's playing Graham Hess, our 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 hero. I don't. I don't question. Mark? I yeah, sure. I don't know. He was with us when we did the Patriot. He's also notable for Passion of the Christ. He's originally Australian. I think it's funny that he just sounds entirely American now. Granted, he's lived here since he was nineteen. Yeah, no. But I want to. I want to hear the Aussie Mel Gibson. Women all were already driven crazy by hot Mel Gibson in those days. But you know, he's more of a dad now in this picture. Uh, this isn't the '90s anymore. Gross. You know. And so, please welcome back in his second kicking and streaming appearance, Mr. Hoquin Phoenix. No, stop it. Don't make fun of me. Carrie Ann called Joaquin Phoenix Hoquin Phoenix once and <laughs> I have not let her re- forget it at like, all. You don't. You don't at all. He's playing Merrill Hess, Graham's brother. He was, of course, with us in our last Shyamalan pick last year for birthday month in the village. He is also famous for playing Johnny Cash in Walk the Line. He's in that uh, oh, oh, uh, oh, with the with the ancient that movie called <laughs> where that not chariots of fire. It's not chariots of fire. It's uh um Do you mean where he's like the is he a Roman Emperor? Or... Ah! Yes, no, you're talking about gladiators. Gladiators, sorry. Watching <laughs> Chariots <laughs> of Fire. Watching you struggle to describe that was hilarious. We have, in his first kicking and streaming appearance, one of the Macaulay Culkins. Yeah, no. I think he's the middle Macaulay Culkin. The Rory Culkin. Ro- he's Rory Culkin. He is playing Morgan Hess, Mel Gibson's oldest kid. Yeah. The only other movie... Okay, I know Rory Culkin's like in the fog and in other movies where he plays a creepy child <laughs> like this one. The Culkin effect. But I think my second favorite Rory Culkin role is in movie 43. Oh, God. That horrible movie. But <laughs> I st- Listen, we... I would love to cover that with you someday, (laughs) just to go on the roller coaster ride that it is. Carrie took her glasses off and has her face in her hands. I'm thinking about Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman with the balls on his chin, and Kate Winslet can't get him to notice. There are so many big names in that movie, and they're just making them look like asses. Like they all took money for that. It's embarrassing. (laughs) Rory Culkin plays the 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 uh, supermarket checkout guy, and Emma Stone is checking out with him, and they had like a breakup or something, and they're being really weird in front of everybody. And then I love it when Emma Stone is leaving; she goes, "I'll see you in church," like <laughs> halfway through her tears. <laughs> oh boy! Moving on, we have and what I believe is her first kicking and streaming appearance. Little Miss Abigail Breslin. Little Miss Sunshine herself. Yes! Uh, Abby Breslin. She is baby in this movie. Oh yeah, this is the smallest I've ever seen her in a movie. She's about, um... Five months older than I am. I was Bo's age when this movie came out. I was that little. She is playing Bo Hess, Bill Gibson's little girl. Little Bo! I know. I love her. She's so cute and weird. I do love Abigail Breslin in August, Osage County. She is in that really terrifying movie about the girl who gets abducted and she gets locked in the trunk, and basically the whole movie is her on the phone with a nine one one operator, and like she has to kick out the tail light and like wave to people in traffic. That like, sounds horrifying. It is horrifying, and I'm sorry I can't remember the title of it right now. <laughs> Let us know at and stream. <laughs> um, please welcome back to kicking streaming in her second appearance. I'm still gonna call her Cherry. <laughs> her name is Cherry Jones. Sherry Jones. Cherry Jones. I can't. <laughs> I cannot believe I did that. No. <laughs> Cherry. She is playing Caroline Paskey, a local police officer. Cherry Jones is Cherry. I keep doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Cherry Jones is also notable for her performances in The Handmaid's Tale and in *Aaron Brockovich. Right. We have, uh, because we all know Shyamalan and he has to be in his own goddamn movie. Which, whatever. I mean, I think this is, like probably the biggest, I don't know about the biggest role he plays in one of his own films, but one of them. It's not the Stephen King kind of role, you know what I mean? No. Where he's just like the priest standing in the graveyard or whatever, like he is integral to this plot. Yes, he is, very much so. And uh, he, his, his, the character's name is Ray Reddy, we will talk all about that in a bit. Oh boy. Alrighty, so this film made $330 million, so suck it. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> he pointed at me Sorry. he pointed at me and said suck it also Tak Fujimoto the cinematographer Ooh. you want to know why everything Carrie Ann was very disconcerted by the cut that we watched everything it kind of just looks like some of the shots are on green screen like everybody is so sharp and defined that it kind of looks like they're not there sometimes. Yeah, like, they are so sharp, and the background is so sharp, like, it just looks really fake in some spots. And, I mean, like, maybe that's intentional, I don't know, but Carrie-Anne was getting tripped up. She was like, is that dog there in that <laughs> shot? Is Bo really standing in front of that TV? Like, like why in the, why is everything look so strange? <laughs> All right. <laughs> you ready to be scared for no reason? Yeah, got my tinfoil hat ready to go. Nothing quite makes me wig, like this film's theme. Oh, the anxious violin again! Ah! Something's chasing me! It immediately sends me, I'm sorry, I screamed into the mic and Carrie, I hurt Carrie's ears. <laughs> ow. <laughs> not off to a good start i'm sorry (laughs) like what is chasing me this is terrifying (laughs) like like literally the vamps and the lulls and the pure terror in every single note is so incredibly effective james newton howard baby james newton howard is a genius and he stays winning we are in the middle of the corn like in the middle of goddamn nowhere so we're in bucks county pennsylvania about 45 miles outside of philadelphia we start out on the farming property of Graham Hess. Father Mel Gibson is here. He's a former Episcopal priest. He lives with his two children, Morgan and Bo, and his brother, Merrill. Graham's wife, Colleen, passed away about six months before the events of the film. But also not totally absent because we get all of these really wrenching flashback scenes. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk oh, about it. Oh, boy. Graham sits right up in bed. Like, he just, like, you know when you're about to, you know, uh, when you're about to sleep and you walk off something? Yeah, no, Yeah, you feel like you're falling out of bed. <laughs> Somebody walked over me grave? <laughs> yeah. You know, I feel like that's what that was. He goes to check on the kids, he's listening to the door, he hears nothing, and while preparing for the day, he hears his daughter, Bo, screaming outside in the distance. Bo's like little, little. Yes. She's, you know, a six-year-old, so if your six-year-old is absent from the house and screaming somewhere in the distance, obviously there's a problem. The screaming also wakes up Meryl, who lives in the apartment above their garage. (laughs) Meryl is basically here. to. He's kind of like the Uncle Joey of this whole situation. (laughs) He's here to help raise the kids because, you know, men apparently can't raise kids by themselves. Isn't he a former, like, minor league baseball player? He's a former minor league baseball star. Oh. Oh. Yeah, star of the minor leagues. Yeah. He's got them baseball calves. Ross loves him a baseball body. That's all I'm gonna say. Listen, in this film, <laughs> Joaquin, like he's a bit, he's a bit thicker in the village. Like he's had a couple of years to like live off his money, you know. But like this is, he's just, yeah, I love a baseball body. <laughs> he is, oh, he is toned. He's kind of cute. Like I'm here for it, Meryl. What's up? You like a strong, silent type? Take me out to the ball game, like. <laughs> oh no! I don't care if I ever come back, like. <laughs> So, Graham and Meryl rush into the cornfield because that's where the screams are coming from. Bo is standing in the middle of it. Graham rushes up to her and he's like, what the fuck is wrong?
1: (laughs) Bo,
2: Bo? Bo? Where's Morgan?
3: Bo? Are you in my dream too?
2: This is not (laughs) a dream. Morgan? What's happening?
3: Dogs are barking. Woke us up.
0: I love Graham the whole time because he his whole affect the whole movie is just what the fuck is going on. No, yeah, Mel, so... Mel Gibson is barely present in some of these moments because <laughs> he's, he's trying to play catch up. He's so sad that he can't even comprehend everything going on around him. Are you hurt? I think God did it.
2: Did what, Morgan?
0: That is the Culkin effect, just this little children of the corn type demeanor about them that is so unsettling. Literally, children of the corn. Graham and Merrill then discover, as the children have, that there is a gigantic circle of fallen crops in the center of their field. Oh boy, crop circles! We get this magnificent bird's eye shot panning out to reveal that there is not one, but four distinct crop circle patterns as large as the first one that had been carved into the middle of the cornfield. Who had crop circles on their alien movie bingo? <laughs> Cross that off. Wait, wait for it. Wait for it. We'll get shoddy technology and shadowy figures. Don't worry. They're coming. So Graham has a telephone conversation with his friend Lee Pritchard. He's inquiring whether or not his asshole son, Lionel, (laughs) and his gang of thugs, the Wolvington brothers, had been fucking with him and made all these patterns in his cornfield. Why would they do something like that? Exactly. Like, these men probably don't even have proper hygiene. Do you think they have the sophistication (laughs) to cut out all these circles? Anyway. You're right. See, it was strange finding the crops that way. The kids were
2: confused by it and, uh, Sure, take the strangeness away. If I knew it was just Lionel and the Wolfenden brothers messing around, that's all.
0: Lee insists that no, they have an alibi; they were at the movies. It wasn't them, and he's like, "Okay, shit." <laughs> <laughs> well, like, then what made these marks, man? They're perfect. I know, and like, not only are they in perfect geometric configuration, but like the plants are not even broken. Yeah, they're bent at the very bottom. Yeah, like it's 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 creepy. So the Hesses have two German shepherds named Houdini and Isabel. I have animals be acting funny. Houdini has been a little lethargic and a bit aggressive at the same time. He's got... I mean, I get that way once every 28 days. (laughs) Stop. I understand Houdini's feelings. He's been, you know, whiny. He's been peeing all over himself. Houdini peed. I think he's sick. Why
2: don't you take him outside? I'll call
0: Dr. Crawford.
3: He doesn't
2: treat animals. He'll know what to do.
0: And he's like, well, he'll know what to do. And I'm like, will he, Graham? As a people t- doctor. <laughs> anyway, there's just a lot of stupid humorous moments in this movie like this. Like, it's it's very distracting, but it like gives you a little bit of relief from the... uh severity that is in the backdrop of all these scenes. Just that really awkward, huh, like (laughs) right before something bad happens. Bo never finishes a goddamn glass of water. Bo loves her water but she can't finish them. Something about it, it's like a tick she has. She, it's either ends up contaminated or she thinks it has, you know, germs in it. I I, I mean, it is well water in the country. Who knows? She's so cute. She's like, every time she's like, it's contaminated. And Morgan's like, no, it's not. Shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> finish your water.
3: It's not contaminated. It's just tap water pour in his bowl. It tastes funny. It does not. Besides, he looks his butt every day. I don't think he'll mind. <laughs> Houdini? Bo, don't run. What's wrong,
0: boy? Houdini goes ballistic. Like, well, like, why is the why is the water so aggressive? Like, Houdini just starts growling at her, and like he's just ramping up and ramping up. And we cut away to Officer Paskey and Graham in the field. She mentions that there are animals around the county acting funny, They're peeing on themselves, acting like there's a predator around. Uh huh. The thing is, throughout the whole film, people continue to call him father, but he's no longer a priest. He has left the church ever since his wife died the virus
3: i don't think so father they're more edgy we're on alert it's almost like they act when they smell a predator around peeing on themselves and everything
2: caroline please stop calling me father what's wrong i don't hear my children
0: They run out of the corn. Guys, you might as well just go look this up on doesthedogdie.com right now. Because it does. It's bad. Uh, And Morgan has stabbed Houdini to death (gasps) with the barbecue tongs. Oh my god! Because the dog Tried to hurt Bo, and I mean, like, holy shit! What you know? You're already in grief for your mom, and then you have to kill your dog. Oh God! Like, uh, I honestly I was always surprised as a kid that he even did it. I know, because like we weren't too far apart in age. He's like eight or nine, you know. It's wild. Uh, it's like I can't imagine having to kill my own pet. And this is where I noted. I can always remember that feeling of severity in this film as a child. It really sets you up to be terrified of other things later. Like, uh uh-oh, that's not good. (laughs) (laughs) This always makes me wonder about the extraterrestrials' power. Because in previous, you know, projects, you know, where aliens have had telepathy or mind control powers, I can't tell what's happening here, and I never have been able to. I can't tell if the dog is just reacting to the presence of the alien because you know they're chameleon-esque their skin can change colors so like is there like an alien behind them oh god right now and (gasps) they don't know it or is the alien using its powers to control the dog i don't know because like i don't know Because, like, I do like the idea of there being an invisible alien behind them that they can't see. But, like, why is it lurking? Exactly. Yeah, like, that doesn't make any sense. Exactly. So we get this cut. We get these shots of the property at dusk with the wind chimes (laughs) and then the chirping of the crickets and then it just kind of piddles out. The sound entirely stops. You know how I am with the silence. Graham is woken in the night by Bo asking for water. She's like, I love her so much. (laughs) I literally wrote, Oh, waking my parents up in the dead of night for no GD reason. (laughs) Don't you miss that? I do. I miss it very much. What's the matter? There's a
3: monster outside my room. Can I have a glass of water? What's wrong with
2: the water next to your bed?
0: It tastes old. (laughs)
1: Well, yeah,
0: you let it sit. (laughs) Because that's what you do. There's literally half full glasses. No, right right now, my boyfriend is listening to this going, Carrie can't finish a soda. (laughs) Yeah, there's just... I always leave the last 25% of a soda in the can. (laughs) Yeah, Carrie-Anne can't finish a sun kiss to save her goddamn life. The mood drops real fast after he puts her back in bed. Oh, boy. What are you thinking
3: about? Why do you talk to mom when you're by yourself? Makes me feel better. Does she ever answer back?
0: She never answers me either. Oh, oh, prayer not working, huh? I don't like it. Uh, Oh, that's, yeah, no. That's really rough. Like, listen, I know I say, I know I keep saying we'll get into it, but they lost their mom in a really horrible way. Oh, really horrible way. And I doubt Bo knows anything about it. I think Morgan does, but like Bo doesn't really know what happened to mom. Even if she doesn't, like the energy that comes off of Graham, like the devastation of it all. Yeah. How ugly it was? She's picking that up. We get this very disturbing shot in which Graham sees a shadowy figure standing outside of Bo's window on the roof. I wrote, this alien looks like some Rankin and Bass nonsense. Cross it off on your bingo. (laughs) We just got an alien (laughs) standing creepily in the background. What? And the Wolfington brothers are back. We get this whole sequence where Graham wakes Meryl up and says it must be Lionel and the Wolfington brothers. (laughs) In an alien suit on one of these roofs. Meryl says it's time for an ass (laughs) whooping. Meryl suggests <laughs> that they run out of the house and run in opposite directions around the other sides of the house and force these guys around to the other side and catch them that way. We're trying to flank these idiots. He wants them to, like, shout at them and curse them out and make them really scared. <laughs> this conversation! Graham is obviously a former priest. He's not that good at cursing. No, my God, <laughs> the swearing. You want me to curse? You don't mean it. It's just for show
2: convincing it doesn't sound natural when i curse
3: just make noises then
0: explain
2: noises are you gonna do this or what
0: no i'm not <laughs> no i'm like this i'm like gentlemen do we have to have this conversation right now on the count of three one two three
2: <laughs> ah,
0: i'm insane with anger we're gonna beat your ass bitch I'm insane with anger! It makes me buzz every time. I'm ugly laughing! I'm losing my mind! It's time for an ass whooping! (laughs) They meet each other on the other side and there's no one there. I cursed. I heard. (laughs) If If I was actually someone harassing them on the outside of their house... I'd just be in their bushes laughing. (laughs) Like, what the hell? Oh, my sides hurt. Somehow the whoever they're chasing, got on top of their ten-foot-high roof. Yeah, I know. In a second. Like, this is not Lionel Pritchard and his goons, okay? Like, that is not what is happening here. And they hear the swing behind them. (gasps) And they turn around and we get this shot of the swing swinging back and forth towards the cornfield. And something is disappearing into the corn. Yeah, the corn's moving on its own! <laughs> sorry. 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 <laughs> Take a drink. You know, the the upside in all of this is that watching you lose it is pretty fun. I just I don't like things moving and I can't see what's <laughs> making them move. I have bad experiences with that, as you well know. Okay, so the next day, Officer Paskey is at the Hess farm to interview Graham and Merrill about the previous night. I love that Bo is watching Dexter's Laboratory on no, the TV. I wrote girls! She's watching Dexter's Laboratory! Hey, <laughs> what were we watching in 2002? Dexter's Laboratory! So relatable, right? <laughs> oh my god! Doida! Didi! Get out of my laboratory! Get out of my laboratory! du formage! That's all you can say! Pasky's talking to them, and she goes, Okay, so far I have, it was very dark. <laughs> they can't offer her a description of this person who's been harassing them because it was very dark. No, it's like a cryptid shape. Like, they have no idea what this thing looks like. Pasky goes, How certain are you that this was a male?
2: Oh, I don't, I don't know any girls who could run like that.
3: I don't know, Meryl. I've seen some of those women on the Olympics. They can run like the wind.
2: This guy got on our roof in like a second. Our roof is ten feet high.
3: They have women's high jumping in the Olympics. They got these Scandinavian women who can jump clean over me.
0: And I'm like, Officer Paskey, why are you talking about women in the Olympics so much for... No, Officer Paskey is (laughs) um, of a certain persuasion. (laughs) They got these Scandinavian women that can jump clean over me. I'm not going to make any assumptions about her sexuality, but I'm picking it up. (laughs) Officer Paskey, what's your kink? Jump over me. (laughs) (laughs) Stop that! Sorry, you're right. Oh, my God. But, like, I literally wrote, why do cops got to act like cops? She's like, listen, we don't know anything about the person you saw. An out-of-town woman stopped by the gas station yesterday afternoon, and she started yelling and cussing because they didn't have her favorite cigarettes in the vending machine. She scared some people, and no one's seen her since. And then I turned to Carrie Ann, and I went, and that woman was Carrie (laughs) (laughs)
1: Ann. You made
0: me bust. I I, I can just see you. (laughs) Stuck in Pennsylvania. (laughs) trying to go somewhere. <laughs> There's rumors of strangers about... <laughs> harassing people, possibly aliens. <laughs> you're just done with the world and you're- I'm you go to that, one of those Will Smith type moments. You go to that vending machine and there's no Marlboro menthol 100. <laughs> Stop! And you just start shaking the goddamn machine. Oh my god. I'm sorry. It no. wasn't Carrie, but <laughs> No, but like, you know, she's just like, you know, whatever, man. It's probably not that big of a deal. Like, it's probably just some crazy person. And I'm like, well, then that should still interest you. So Paskey just says they'll keep all options of Available, you know, they'll tr- continue to look at everything. And Bo walks up to him and goes, "Dad, there's I can't find the remote, and there's nothing but food under the sofa." Baby, why don't you just change the channel on the television?
3: I did. And same shows on every
0: station. So cut to a CNN breaking news report with Professor Richard Kidman of Columbia University he's a professor of cultural anthropology yes I paused it to look (laughs) to look at his lower third oh my god (laughs) and he's telling us that these things used to pop up in the late 70s you know what things crop circles I'm sorry (laughs) people it was apparently really popular in the 60s and 70s popular people would create these hoaxes of crop circles and by the 80s it, it had died out you know of course no one was taking it seriously no it went out with cow tipping because people can literally make crop circles like this of this scale using literally just boards and ropes. Yes, it is very possible. It just, but with the precision that the crop circles were created on the Hess farm, like it, it, it was not man-made. Like, yeah, they're broadcasting in regards that the crop circles are appearing at an alarming rate all over the world. <laughs> it's graffiti. It's <laughs> alien graffiti. There are only a limited number of
2: explanations either this is one of the most elaborate hoaxes ever created or basically it's for real
0: <laughs> it's just, like it's, just, it's so dramatic it's for real <laughs> like uh, this this guy this guy and dr. Oaken are definitely colleagues are, are you kidding me From, oh no <laughs> professor Kidman's been to area 51 many times. <laughs> Dr. Rogan from Independence Day. Oh my god. Caroline tells Graham that the last thing his family needs is to worry about this craziness and he needs to get them focused on everyday things. Oh no, she's like, be normal to those children. Like, they're traumatized (laughs) enough. Be normal to those children, damn it. (laughs) So, Graham forbids the children from consuming television or radio. But they're in the Nowhere. Like, hysteria seems to be mounting in some places in public, but, like, the whole thing still seems pretty nonchalant. Like, I don't understand why people aren't more freaked out about all of this. They are not McReady. They are not McReady. And so I understand why some people consider the plot element of the extraterrestrials to be kind of a footnote. I'm not saying it's inconsequential. They come in contact with the aliens multiple times, but it's just... It's just not exciting for me. It's, these are not the things about alien movies I enjoy. Yes. That, that That's the easiest way to put it. I'm into the big action sequences and the gross prehensile appendages and all that fun stuff. Graham takes the family to town. He goes to the pharmacy to pick up Morgan's medicine because he's got asthma. He sends the kids to the bookstore. Morgan is such a little nerd. He wants to get a book about the extraterrestrials. He wants to do his research. Yeah, he's, he's you. I feel like Morgan and I would have been friends yeah, at that age. for sure. Graham goes to the pharmacy to pick up Morgan's prescription, where he encounters Tracy Abernathy, and she attempts to get some religious counsel from Graham. But <laughs> you know, Graham, who's not a father anymore. He's burnt as a damn biscuit telling everybody <laughs> not to come to him for shit anymore.
1: Can I ask you a favor, Father? I need to clear my conscience. Will you listen to me?
2: Tracy, I am not a reverend anymore. I haven't been for six months.
0: You know this. Cut to Meryl. Meryl has gone to the Armed Forces Recruitment Center? Oh boy! I mean, okay, so we just talked about how nonchalant everyone's being about the possible presence of aliens, but like, people are signing up to go into the army? all because of it? Like, I don't understand why this scene is here. I don't either. But its I still like it. He's meeting with Sergeant First Class Cunningham. Shit, I know you. You're Merrill Hess. I
2: was there the day you hit that 507-footer over the left field wall. Set the record. Man, that thing had a motor on it. It's still the record, right? Got the bat at home on the wall. You've got two minor league home run records, don't you?
0: Five. Cunningham recognizing Merrill from his minor league days and he had a bunch of minor league records and then who the fuck is sitting in the room with him but that asshole Lionel Pritchard Oh yeah! filling out an application of his own saying Merrill's a class A screw up he also got the minor league strikeout record Didn't matter what the coaches said Didn't matter who was on base he would just whip that back through the air as hard as he could Looked like a lumberjack chopping
2: down a tree Meryl here has more strikeouts than any two players. You really got the strikeout record?
0: Felt wrong not to swing. <laughs> <laughs> and Meryl, I love this line. Felt wrong not to swing. Oh my God! And I'm like, you get it, Meryl. The family meets for pizza, and outside, who walks by? Uh oh, not M night! <laughs> We see Ray Reddy. Ray's a veterinarian. He lives in the area. <gasps> He's the vet! That's why he didn't want to call the vet when the dog was hurt. Oh my god, you're right. I've never realized that before. Oh Look at my you! Goodness. Okay. They have no context for that because they don't know who Ray is yet, but... <laughs> but Morgan just looks up and goes... Is that him? Yeah. Ray sees them looking at him and gets in his car really quickly and drives away, positively skirts off. Who is he? Do you want to tell them who he is, Ross? Okay. Just get this band-aid off? Yeah, we'll get this out of the way. So Ray fell asleep at the wheel of his truck one night and he hit a woman. He pinned her into a tree and she passed away. That woman... Was Colleen Hess Graham's wife, the children's mother, the children's mother? Oh, it's it. It was tragic. It was an accident, and so like even though Ray is not a bad guy, he's gotta he's gotta duck this family. Yeah. So they come back from town and we have this whole sequence where Morgan has one of the baby monitors, one of Bo's old baby monitors, and it's kind of going haywire. It's making all this noise, all this static. Chekhov's baby monitor. It's making weird groany noises and there's clicks and things happening on it. And then they all get out of the car and we hear this loud groan on the baby monitor. (laughs) (laughs) Meryl's starting, I think, to believe a little bit. Yeah. Because he can hear the clicking and the moaning on the baby monitor. This sound comes over the baby monitor that sounds like a fucking ship taking off. And you're like, ah, 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 no, what's taking off? (laughs) You know that this thing is in a field somewhere and they're taking off and the aliens are like, what the fuck, Bill? I didn't finish putting in the fuel rods. (laughs) Like that big scream is just him going,
1: Bill, come back.
0: And Morgan's like, it'll get clearer the higher you hold it. So he climbs on top of the car, Meryl climbs on top of the car after him, and then Bo, and then Graham. And they're all like in this little line, they're all holding on to each other, and he's holding the baby monitor higher and higher.
3: Stop! There's two of them talking.
0: They've got these tongues that they hiss and click with, and that's their little language. Yeah. Uh. It's it's kind of unsettling. And then (laughs) kind of? And then I love the subtitles throughout Unnerving Music. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I'll say
0: So we have this whole sequence where it's in the middle of the night, Graham's going out to feed the dogs, and he's staring at the corn, and the dog is barking and barking. Isabel can't stop barking. Actually lunges. At Graham. Yeah, and so he takes a flashlight and goes out to look in the corn, because of course he does. Why else would we be here? On his way to the crop circle, he hears some clicking. (laughs) He hears some clicking and hissing. And I'm like, Graham, this is the last place anyone wants to be. (laughs) In the middle of a cornfield, in the middle of the night. (laughs) And so he walks into the crop circle, like the big open crop circle. And he starts calling out these intruders who are harassing him. You're wasting your time here.
2: I'm not going to report this or anything you do to my crops, to the news or TV or anybody.
0: You're not going to get famous. I love the line, you're not going to get famous. (laughs) And I can just picture the aliens hiding in the corner like, damn. (laughs) (laughs) how else are we supposed to let them know we're here this is a brand why can't why can't we just you know expand our brand how are we supposed to get more followers on instagram the aliens said fuck private property (laughs) this is shitty let us put our maps in your yard and this is one of those cheap like last second glances we get at the aliens he goes back into the easement drops his flashlight, because he hears clicking behind him. And he's... He bends down. He's trying to get the flashlight back on. He slaps it on, basically. And he's pointing it down the lane. We see one very long, slimy-looking leg disappear into the corn. (laughs) Like all the aliens got to do is show a little leg, and Mel Gibson takes off running, <laughs> and he's all of us. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Father Mel Gibson. I totally get it. He runs like the spirit of Saint Louis, <laughs> back to his house, and he comes in and sits in the kitchen, and he's just sitting there. And the kids are splashing each other with the water in the sink, and they turn around and they're like, "Oh shit, Dad looks fucked up. Are you okay?" Graham goes, "Okay, let's turn on the TV." <laughs> And they turn on the TV, and they've been missing television coverage for a few days. And actual UFOs are starting to appear over cities all over the world. Just like bright points of light in the sky. Yeah. Morgan's like, we have to tape this shit. This shit's important. Bo does not want him to tape over her ballet recital. Oh, no. And he's like, listen.
3: Listen, Bo. This is very important. Everything people have written about in science books is going to change. The history of the world's future is on the TV right now. We need to record this so you can show your children this tape and say you were there. For your children, Bo. We got my recital.
0: Dad.
2: Find another tape.
0: And so, because Bo won't let him tape it over her recital, he tapes it over some of Meryl's porn. <laughs> <laughs> And finally a good use for that. This is where we come to Carrie Ann's least favorite scene. Uh. They're sitting on the couch, the kids have fallen asleep, there's 24-hour news coverage of all of this. Meryl says, you know, to Graham, do you think that this could be the end of the world? And without skipping a beat, Graham says, yes. <laughs> I literally wrote, I wrote, Father Mel says, God is dead, we're all on our own. And P- Meryl basically says, you know, you're just such a cynical, pessimistic fuck lately. Oh like, my god! Like, how about you, he doesn't say it that harshly, but he's like, how can't you just pretend to be like you used to be? Like, try and give me some semblance of peace? No, like, it's almost like Meryl is offended that he is not in awe of what they are witnessing. Yeah. And, like, Meryl starts talking about seeing signs, right? Like, that's what this whole conversation is going to be about, is about seeing and recognizing signs. Like, you know, God. Yeah. Or, like, Mm -hmm. faith. I don't know. Yeah, the aliens are a metaphor for faith. There. (laughs) I I gave it to you. Yeah, Graham basically says people break down into two categories. People who see signs and miracles and people who believe that they just get lucky. Right. You know, like, it's all just, it's it's all meaningless. It's either God or it's not. Yeah. Yeah. What you have to ask yourself is, what kind of person are you?
2: Are you the kind that sees signs, sees miracles? Or do you believe that people just get lucky? Or look at the question this way. Is it possible that there are no coincidences?
0: When Meryl looks at the aliens, he sees miracles. He's telling the story about how he was at this birthday party and he was going to kiss this girl he liked. Yeah. And, like, he took a moment to take the gum out of his mouth, which very considerate. Good job, Meryl. And, like, while he was taking the gum out of his mouth, she barfed all over herself. And, like, that could have been him. Yeah, that could have been his mouth. He could have been kissing her when he when she threw up. Uh, but he, he didn't because he had to take the gum out, and he I guess he sees that gum as a miracle, <laughs> as a sign, and he goes, "I'm a miracle man." Oh my god! And th- and then Graham's like, "There you go, good for you." And Meryl's <laughs> like. So You're what... right, good for me. And Meryl's <laughs> like, so what kind are you? We all know the answer. Yeah, he does not see signs. Uh, yeah, it, Graham just thinks shit is meaningless, and shit's gonna happen regardless, and no one makes it happen. It's just all random. No, yeah, it's so existential and weird, and it makes me so uncomfy. This is where I wrote, am I too dumb to understand this movie? Am I just, like, caught up in what I'm feeling, and, like, <laughs> yeah. I hate how nonsensical it all is? So... The next day, Meryl has hauled the television into the closet under the stairs in order to keep it away from the kids so they don't get too obsessed. And Graham finds the kids with these foil helmets on, and they're reading the book that Morgan bought from the bookstore on E.T.'s. And (laughs) E.T.'s! The way he just is staring at them, and they've got these foil hats on. So
3: the aliens can't read our
0: minds. Oh. So, the aliens can't read our minds? What? <laughs> like, what are you staring at? Like, <laughs> shut up with your stares. Like, listen, at least they're trying to protect themselves in the only way they can. Graham sits down and flips through the book with them, and Morgan's telling him, listen, they're here for either two reasons. One, in the spirit of exploration, ha! Ah. <laughs> two, they're hostile. Yep. Yep, they are definitely hostile. I'm sorry. They, they did not come in this way to not be hostile. Like, they are... Uh, they're probing. They are. They're, they're getting reconnaissance. They're dealing with the reconnaissance group. They're flipping through the book and they're looking at the pictures that people have drawn of the aliens. And then they see this really eerie picture of a UFO blasting off and setting aflame a house... That looks a lot like their house. But why? And there are three bodies in the yard in shadow. A man and two children. <laughs> and then the phone rings and it's really scary. <laughs> I'm like, that's unkind. Nothing about that was necessary. Graham gets a really strange call from Ray Reddy, who killed his wife. <laughs> Accidentally. And it he just has enough time to say, father... And it sounds like he's being attacked on the other end of the phone. Uh Uh-huh. And so... Doesn't Ray live nearby? He does. Graham goes, gets his coat. He's like, I'm going out for a few minutes. No one leaves the house. Where are you going? Ray Reddy's house. The guy who killed your wife? Yeah. You know that (laughs) you want them to say that, but they don't say that. And so he goes to Ray's house, he's looking in the windows, he can see broken lamps and chairs all over the place, and I'm like, okay, it is time to be concerned. He goes around the side of the house, Ray is sitting in his car with all of his belongings in it. Uh Uh-huh. He's leaving. He's leaving town.
1: I wrote your number down to call you. It's been sitting next to the phone for six months. When I knew it was inside the house I couldn't think of any other number to call I panicked. What, what,
0: what, what's in the house, what's Ray? in the house? Uh, and he's like being real. He is not getting to the point. And he literally literally tells Graham that it was fate that he fell asleep behind the wheel that night. That it was meant to be. What? Fucked up thing to say. And I'm like, Ray, you're not in a good place. You've just seen something
1: obviously very disturbing.
0: Why would he even make that connection? Why is it fate?
1: Most of the ride home, there wasn't a car in sight in either direction. If I'd have fallen asleep then, I would have ended up in a ditch with a headache. It had to be at that right moment, that 10-15 seconds when I passed her walking. It was like it was meant to be.
0: He starts the car, and Graham's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Don't do anything rash. Where are you going? And he's like, I'm going to the lake. I heard a rumor that they don't like water. Oh. And and I'm like, okay, that's just stuck in there. I understand (laughs) what you meant. It's a little shoehorned in there. Yeah. And and then literally he apologizes, finally.
1: Well, at least he apologized. For
0: bringing about the death of Colleen.
1: I know what I've done to you made you question your faith. I'm truly sorry for what I've done to you and yours. Don't open my pantry, father. I found one of them in there and locked him in. Speeds off.
0: Like what get back here and <laughs> deal with you this. You get back here and take care of your alien. <laughs> Son, did you let the alien out? No, dad, I'll do it later. You should have called animal control. Could you imagine? That would have been fun for the government. Oh, (laughs) man. Uh, His house just becomes a black site. It gets wiped off the map completely. So we get this cut to Meryl. Still watching television. He didn't want the kids to get obsessed, but he's obsessed now. Oh, uh, this is the clip. Like, earlier, he had shown, you know, Grand this clip of birds flying into the air over Mexico City and hitting something and falling straight down. Yeah. Because the UFOs have invisibility shields yeah cloaking technology they're floating there you just can't see them
1: Uh and birds
0: keep dying because they're (laughs) flying into them and now he's watching this clip from a man who was taping at his son's birthday party it's from a place called paso fundo it's in brazil it's in these areas Mm -hmm. you know mexico brazil um they're also very dry areas Yes, and remember the news report when they were all over India? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, very, very dry areas. It's all these kids at this birthday party, and the dad's filming, and there's something moving the trees outside. This is, like, the most, like, paused, watched clip of this movie. Yeah, and they're shooting down the alleyway, and then it really vamps up to it with the music and everything, and then... Oh! The alien just walks across the alleyway <laughs> in all of its tall, brown, glisteny glory. And we all jump. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a disturbing image for me. I know it's a little silly. It is. Really I, silly. I know it looks a little silly, but it still jars me. Like this is the thing. Something's lurking. If that's my, it's my irrational fear. Something is lurking around me, and I can't see it. And what is it? And when I get a glimpse of it, ah! You know. That is the procedure of emotions there. (laughs) Oh my god. And then cut back to Ray's house. Oh yeah, now we gotta find out what's in the pantry. Graham has a great idea. Let's go inside and mess with the alien. I mean, it's in the pantry. It can't hurt him, right? For whatever reason, I think he still thinks at this point that everybody's just hysterical and this is just a person? I mean, hey, I've always kind of wondered, like, why is the alien in the pantry? This would be the time for us to see the alien. Give it to me. and But, but here's the thing. With the whole thing of them being a metaphor for faith, faith is belief without evidence. Yes. And the fact that he can't see it. But, but I feel like he's also trying to convince himself that it's not. Yeah, that's my point. Like he, Like, he's like... He's pretending to be a police officer and question this thing that's locked in Ray's pantry. He's really hoping that it's not an alien yeah. and, and that it's all been a hoax. And so, yeah, he's trying to convince himself that it's actually in there because he doesn't have faith that it is. The police are here. I, I am with them. I, I am a police officer. <laughs> Mel! We know all about the hoax.
2: We already took some of your friends downtown in a paddy wagon. Just tell us your name and why you did it, and we'll give you the same deal we gave the others. Don't throw your life away, son.
0: Father Mel Gibson grabs a knife, and he's sticking it under the edge of the door, and he can't see anything. He can just see the mustard and the peanuts. (laughs) Like, (laughs) and the spaghetti. Yeah. And he's like, he puts the knife down, he's like, this is stupid. And he gets almost out the door. And he's like, God damn it, and takes the knife again and puts it back under, and this claw slides out from under <laughs> the door and tries to grab his hand. <laughs> and he takes that knife and cuts off its two middle fingers. <laughs> the scream. <laughs> Are you good? Are you okay, buddy? Cut to a flock of birds escaping a cornfield. Another image I don't like from Midwestern culture. You're driving by a field and this giant flock of birds takes off all at once. And I'm like, what's the entity? Why are we all flying away at once? Where's it at? I'm sorry. You're screaming. This film gets to those deep environmental fears for me. So he comes home finds Meryl too with an aluminum cap on his head yeah we've all got tinfoil hats on now when he comes in and they're just sitting in a row on the couch Morgan (laughs) Meryl and Bo yeah and the way Meryl just goes dead eyed their skin changes colors (laughs) it's why we couldn't see him that night They, he has been going down a rabbit hole ever since he put the TV in the closet. And, like, they're trying to decide what to do. Like, do we stay or do we go? And Graham's like, you know, maybe we should go to the lake. I heard a rumor that we they don't really like water. And Morgan goes, it sounds made up. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> All of this sounds made up. And so Morgan and... Meryl really want to stay in the house, but Bo and Graham are cool with the idea of maybe going to the lake. Yeah. And Graham, they vote on it, and it's (laughs) equal down the middle, and there's no VP here to break the tie. So Graham pulls a bullshit move and goes, okay, my vote counts as two, me and the dead wife. (laughs) I literally wrote what? Morgan, that's bullshit! You're cheating!
3: (laughs) I'm on Morgan's side! (laughs) Me
0: too. My vote counts
3: as two. That's bullshit! You're cheating! Morgan, calm down.
2: I get two votes because I represent two parents here.
3: We don't know anything yet. We'll be safe here anyway. I don't want to leave home. This is where we live with mom. It's got nothing to do with this. I changed my vote.
2: You can't change your vote.
3: All those in favor of home, raise your hand.
0: And so they re-vote and Bo changes her vote now that the idea of missing mommy is here. And so so we're staying and boarding up the house board up every window in this house
2: how do we know boards will do anything because they seem to have trouble with pantry doors
0: they have trouble with doors and windows it's something to do with the way they move getting in and out of things it's literally a bullshit plot device <laughs> to make it harder for the aliens to get at them i the <laughs> argument the argument i could see on reddit right now is well you know wood retains water and so hey yeah no don't say hey <laughs> don't- that like it covers that plot hole. It's just like you said. It's just to make them actually like a conquerable foe. I guess, yeah. So we take to boarding up every window and door in the house. They are barricading themselves in. I hope they have enough resources. I know. I hope they. Ha- I, they I hope they went to town first. <laughs> Shit's going down on TV. <laughs> the UFOs are arranging themselves in an attack maneuver. <laughs> they are hostile. Repeat, they are hostile. <laughs> and so the Hesses decide. They're hungry. This is my least favorite scene. <laughs> Your least favorite scene? It's just upsetting, because Graham just kind of, like, breaks down, and it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to lose my mind if I don't calm down right now. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, I'd be nervous, too. They said on television that the alien groups are within one mile of every crop sign. Yeah. And there's one in their field. <laughs> They literally made a map on the Earth's surface for how they were going to attack. They dropped a Google (laughs) pin. They did. They dropped a pin, (laughs) And they said, the attack will happen here. (laughs) We're talking about our last meal here. Let's have an escape meal. (laughs) And so they make everything in the kitchen. And they sit down. And nobody's eating anything. And Graham goes, what's the matter with you all? Eat. And then Morgan goes, maybe we should say a prayer. And Graham's like, no. We're not going to say a prayer. We're not thanking God for any of this. And Morgan's. (laughs) We're not thanking God for any of this bullshit. No.
2: I am not wasting one more minute of my life on prayer. Not one more minute. Understood? Now, we are going to enjoy this meal. No one can stop us from enjoying this meal, so enjoy it.
0: Stop crying. Graham, Don't just, yell at her. Graham's just insistent. We are not saying a prayer. I am not wasting one more moment of my life on prayer. Because to him, it's all bullshit. Yeah. You know? He's got absolutely no faith anymore. And he's yelling at all of them. Yeah. Berating them. It's really bad. And Beau's crying because he's yelling. And it's just a bad time all around. It is. Like, here's the thing. If you ship this movie to me as, like, a family drama... I would be like, yeah, cool. Uh-huh. This is, it's a family drama, but there's just, there's aliens. There's just bedding. aliens outside. <laughs> like, I just, it's so weird for me. <laughs> I, am, I like to think of this heart-wrenching scene and there are just aliens tapping on the window <laughs> behind them. Hello. <laughs> we are here to guess you. The drama's out here, y'all. <laughs> the aliens sitting in their stage chairs backstage. What the fuck? I thought I was going to have a shit ton more screen time. <laughs> I was promised big bucks from this role. Did you get any scenes? Did you get any scenes? Did you get the last pages? All I got to do was cross an alleyway. It was bullshit. Yeah, well, you don't think that's bullshit? Well, I only got my leg in there. (laughs) They made me stand on a roof for an hour to get one shot. I swear to God, fucking touchstone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, moving anyway, on. Anyway, he goes fine. You're not going to eat. I'm going to eat. And he stabs something from everybody's plate and starts wolfing it down and now he's crying. Uh. And then Morgan goes, "Okay, I made this worse." Gets up and hugs him. And then they all just involve they all just get in this big group hug and it's panning out from them down the table and the baby monitor comes into frame. This is where we come to the really terrifying parts. Oh, yeah, where the aliens are creeping around outside. And they, you know, they go and they start finishing up, boarding everything up. They go downstairs and they're standing in the hall. They're just standing there in silence. And then you hear something knock into the wind chime outside.
2: Should we turn off the lights? They
0: already know we're here. And you can see through the cracks in between the boards, these shadows moving around the outside of the house. They're staring at the front door, but then this gigantic bang happens on the back door. They're banging at both ends of the doors trying to get in, but they can't. Obviously, they're boarded up and locked up, and they have problems with wood. The thing I really can't stand and the thing that really unnerves me is the sound of them running around. keep trying every door, and they keep running around the house looking for a way in. Mm -hmm. And... We go down to hide in a basement again! I love the shot as they're running to the basement of the claw reaching underneath the front door. Stop, stop, stop! So they get down to the bottom, and they're not in there five seconds before there's clicking on the other side of that basement door. They know! They know that they're down there. And Meryl's looking for something to wedge against the door. He finds an axe to wedge underneath the door handle. fucking breaks the light the only light bulb (laughs) down there (laughs) and now it's dark so the kids find the flashlight and they turn it on they've wedged that axe underneath the door and you can hear them moaning and clicking in like the ventilation all around them
2: they're only making noises they're not trying to get in why would they do that they want our attention on the door They're distracting us. From what?
3: The book says they're probably very good problem solvers. They'll find a way in.
2: They used to pour coal down in this basement. There's a coal chute in here.
0: Also, how do they not know exactly where that goddamn chute is? (laughs) They spend five minutes looking (laughs) around the room for it, and they finally find it. Morgan is standing right in front of it, and he just goes, What? And this hand grabs Morgan out of the coal chute ah! by the throat. So they cover up the coal chute and Merrill turns his flashlight on Graham and he's got Morgan in his lap and he's having an asthma attack. We have a new problem. They don't have his medicine. They don't have his inhaler. Nope. Graham's just trying to get Morgan to breathe, and it's this really retching sequence willing Morgan not to suffocate to death. Yeah, it's really terrifying. Poor little Rory Culkin. Yeah. He looks like he's actually fading. He's grabbing Morgan close. He's like, listen, just breathe with me.
2: Don't be afraid, Morgan. Feel my chest. Breathe with me.
0: morgan finally gets stable and calmed down thank god and meryl's like let's just go the fuck to sleep (laughs) (laughs) because i can't be awake anymore like sam jackson said go the fuck to sleep and it's during their sleep that we get the actual shots of Graham driving up to the scene of where colleen's been hit guys this is kind of awful like it It's rough. They are really explicit in this scene. Officer Pasky is there. Caroline is there. And she's telling him listen, Ray fell asleep at the wheel of the truck. He wasn't drunk. He hit Colleen and pinned her to a tree. And the truck has severed her at the waist, it has bisected her. The truck is holding her up, it's keeping her alive. And they didn't want to pull the truck out just yet because they wanted to give Graham time to come down and talk to her while she's still awake. Oh, it's so awful. And they said it's really remarkable because she's talking almost like normal, but like her body should not be alive. Yeah. And it is. And we didn't pull the truck out because we, we want you to come
3: down here and be with her as long as she's awake. And
1: it won't be very long. Now, Father, do you understand what I told you?
2: Carolyn, this is the last time
3: I'm going to talk with my wife.
0: Yes, it is. This is the wrong time to mention this, this. You know the Scary Movie series? Yes. In Scary Movie 3, they do signs in that one. And when they're spoofing this scene... You know, he walks by Ray and Ray's just looking really solemn and like fucked up about everything. Yeah. And in the scary movie version when he's walking, because it's this Charlie Sheen playing the <laughs> Mel Gibson character. God. And he walks by the Ray character and Ray looks up and goes, oh, hey, Graham, can I have a ride home?
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's wrong. That's
0: awful. That's, That's wrong. wrong. Oh, God. And he's creeping up to the truck. And then we... Cut back to him waking up in the basement. They're not gonna give us that. They will in a few. Oh my I'm god! Sorry. Get to it! I'm so sick of it. So they wake up, and Meryl has managed to turn on an old radio. And guys, guess what? Miraculously, the aliens are leaving For in droves. No reason. And he's—they're like they left some dead behind, or whatever, some wounded behind, but. All that matters is they're leaving. We don't get any explanation for why they're going. Like, is it because they've realized they can't hang with water and the planet is covered in that, 70% water? That has to be the only explanation. Yeah. But, like... Like, they just can't hang, which is fine. They're going to leave the planet without incident. So Graham and Merrill decide they'll take a venture upstairs. See what it's all about. They'll take the axe with them. <laughs> It'll be okay. Oh, God. And they go upstairs. They're looking around the house. They're getting Morgan's medicine together. Graham carries Morgan to the couch and lays him there, and he turns around, and Bo's standing there, and she goes, there are people dancing on TV. It's really cute. And, you know, he's like, he turns to Morgan, he's like, do you want to see it? He's like, I'm going to go get the TV. He goes into the closet, unplugs the TV, he rolls it back into the living room, and in the reflection of the television screen, of the dark television screen, we see there's an alien standing in the room. (laughs) The thing is, the alien's been in the room the whole time. The whole time? And it's just chosen now to reveal itself. How very dramatic of it. Like, the thing is, it's d- the lighting in this scene is just such to where you can kind of make out some of its features, but you still can't all the way. You can't see just how bad the CGI like, is. Like, you can't see just how fake God probably is. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. And... It's got Morgan in its arm. Ah, ah, oh my god. It puts its wrist over Morgan's face and this needle slides out of its wrist and is hovering over Morgan's face. And I'm like, what's that? It's like a Dementor. It's like trying to take his soul or something. And it's clicking menacingly and it's like, I hate that it's like shifting back and forth on both legs. Uh. Like it's getting ready to run at them or something. It, it pans in on its grip on Morgan, and you can see two of its fingers are missing. This is the alien from the pantry. This is, yeah, this is the alien that Graham fucked up. That got his fingies chopped off. He's starting to have these flashbacks of pulling up to the scene of his wife's accident. I'm like, M. Night, why are we doing this <laughs> right now? Right now? We're Okay, we're going to do this right now? And then, like, it cuts to Graham kneeling down by Colleen. And Colleen is just like, hey, you know, <laughs> sorry, I was just taking a walk before dinner. <laughs> Silly me. I guess this was meant to be. And I'm like, everybody stop saying that. Yeah, please stop saying that. Like, that was not you, meant to be. You were not meant to die in this horrible way, Colleen. No, like, it's just the way it happened. It wasn't fate. It literally, I'm sorry. I don't see signs I'm sorry no, I, I, I do not see those 14 lights in the sky as a miracle it's terrorism is Yeah, what no. it is I was gonna say for someone who likes this movie an awful lot you definitely do not see I, signs I, I do not prescribe to the you know end result I really don't but <laughs> he grabs her hand and she starts getting weepy it's really brutal tell Morgan to play games it's okay to be silly I will to listen to her brother who always took care of her. I will. And tell Graham. Come here.
2: And tell him
3: to
0: see. Tell him to see. And what really unsettles me and she when she looks directly at him and goes, and tell Graham to see. Tell him to see. And I'm like, oh, God, he's right there, but her brain is probably whack right now. No, yeah, they say a lot of whack shit happens as your body is dying. Yeah. Like, you just start to see things and hear things from your life at random. And what are her last words? And she says, Tell Meryl to swing away. Tell Meryl to swing away. Because he's a baseball player. Yeah. Then it cuts back. To them in the living room, just entertaining their alien (laughs) guests. (laughs) The aliens got Morgan. Graham just starts looking around the room. Of course, there's the half full glasses of water everywhere. There's the alien. (laughs) And then he's panning around, and he's staring at Meryl. And on the wall, just to Meryl's right, is a baseball bat. Swing away, Meryl. Meryl. Swing away. And then Meryl just turns around slowly, and the music's vamping. He takes that bat off the wall and gives that alien the whack of a lifetime. (laughs) Meryl is fucking this thing up. (laughs) Graham grabs Morgan, takes him outside, jabs an EpiPen in his leg to try and get him going again. Bo actually goes back to the window to watch Meryl continue to fuck up this alien. (laughs) And Meryl knocks him into a cabinet or something. And one of Bo's drinking glasses tips over on the alien and begins to burn its skin away. Yeah, like, like it's the Wicked Witch of the West or something. Ugh! And so everything's just lining up perfectly, all these weird things we've been dealing with the whole movie because they've been signs. And then he's breaking the glasses over the alien with the bat and it's really fucking it up. And basically, Meryl defeats the alien. It dies Mm -hmm. from all the water. Meryl goes outside and everybody's kind of breaking down and panicking because Morgan's probably going to die. Yeah, no, this is that tense moment at the end of the movie where we all crouch over the child and wonder if he's going to die. Dad, what happened?
3: (gasps) Did someone save
1: me? I
0: think someone did. Oh, okay. Was it God? (laughs) Stop. I'm sorry. Don't be that way. Rod. And I'm like, no, no. Here's the thing. Come on. Like, listen, I understand your frustrations a little bit more now, now that I've had time to talk through it and think about it. But like. Like God. I mean, here's the thing. In science fiction, that is often the way with aliens is because they're so mysterious and so powerful. They achieve godlike status. But like, <laughs> like in Knowing with Nicolas Cage, where the aliens look like angels, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. But in this sense, the, the aliens were trying to kill them. Like nobody, nobody saved them, and it was definitely not God. Like, yeah, it's the, it was water. It was water, kind of like War of the Worlds. Yeah, <laughs> because the aliens came here and licked every surface. <laughs> yeah, they died. <laughs> 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 Just aliens licking doorknobs. It's aliens running their tongues along subway station platforms oh my god no and so yeah it pans around through the house and it's now winter and we get this shot of graham getting ready for the day he comes out and he's got his episcopal garb back on his collar his collar yes his priest collar and i'm like oh he went back to the Church. That's lovely for him. Yeah, and you can hear the kids like playing in the background, and like, I guess things are just fine now. <laughs> I hope they got a pretty penny for that dead alien in their house. <laughs> the government showed up with like trucks from Area 51, and they're like, "You never saw us." A truck pulls up to the Hess farm. The door opens. Doctor Oaken runs out, going, "Oh boy! Oh, oh boy!" <laughs> <laughs> good, <bud>. That's good. <laughs> so yeah, that's it. It turns out it really was God the whole time. <laughs> it was not the aliens, it was God. Everybody the signs lined up perfectly, and there you are. Yeah. <laughs> signs two was pitched. No. It was. It was it was considered and people just the you know, I think Touchstone just kind of was like I... It made so much money, though. I would think that they'd be all over that. Yeah, but, like, I'm very glad they didn't. No, no, no. I'm very, very glad they didn't. I, I just love it when great projects can just remain great projects without the need for a cash cow continuation. Oh, that we get sequel after sequel after sequel? <sighs> I'm so sick of it, bud. I know. I'm sick of things getting remade. I'm sick of things getting, like, ad nauseum sequels. (laughs) Stop kicking that horse. (laughs) It's dead. It's spitting out money, though. I know. It's the worst. Anyways, but yeah, guys, were the aliens kind of a footnote? Sure. (laughs) You're mad that I was right. (laughs) Sure. It's Shyamalan, though. And you love your James Newton Howard? No, yeah, I was more—I was probably mostly here for Jim. Like, yeah, you I, just wanted to talk about the soundtrack. I just wanted to talk about the scary music. <laughs> I bet Shyamalan brought this to him, and he read through it and went, huh. "Okay, I'm gonna really terrify some people, but it's not gonna line up. We're just gonna like get us some uh, really anxious violin in here." <laughs> All right, guys, thank you for joining us for that little tidbit. I'm glad we got our Shyamalan out of the way for the year. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe next birthday month we'll have to do- Don't say it. We won't do it. Unless you just want to rip it apart, we won't do it. Lady in the water, Lady in the water. God, it's bad. It's so bad. <laughs> can't believe I bought it. <laughs> I'm sorry that I suggested you should. It's okay. It's okay. Um. It's gonna be fine. So, yeah, guys, thanks for listening to that. Uh, you didn't have to. We know you have a choice when it comes to your podcast, and we're so <laughs> glad that you choose us. Oh, man, we're so grateful for y'all. Like, j- this is wild that we get to do this. But, you know, we do have one more birthday selection for Rossi brew this month. Oh, my God. I am hype. Guys, Let's get it. We are excited to talk about this one. Next week, we are going to be covering the 1999 science fiction... Parody Thriller <laughs> I don't know It's not really a thriller No <laughs> Science fiction Parody comedy Galaxy Quest Oh my god Guys The only Tim Allen movie I stand. Never, Never give up, up. Never surrender! Oh, I'm so
1: excited! It's gonna
0: be so much fun. Guys, we've got so many fan favorites. Not Tim Allen. (laughs) No, not Tim Allen. Sigourney will be back. Alan Rickman will be back. Rain Wilson will be here shortly. Yes! It's going to be a great time, folks. In the meantime, you can go follow us on Twitter at kick and stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcasts at gmail.com. That's with an N, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, if you haven't gotten Ross a present yet for his birthday, please go over to Apple Podcasts, rate, and leave us a review. Practice those three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. Guys, I want you in our little watch party for birthday month. And guys, spooky season's right around the corner oh my god we're gonna have some well (laughs) we're gonna have some good picks for you but you almost said good movies they're they're all they're all special i guess in their own little ways oh my god it'll be great more quality content coming to you from kicking and streaming until then i'm carrie i'm ross and as always Shyamalan. Shyamalan. Are you proud of yourself? Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. I literally just thought of that.